91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WEGLFM.com. I am Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as always. Our first February show of the month. And it's a gloomy day outside. But what's not gloomy is Auburn basketball. Bay, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Like you said, some very not pleasant weather outside, some ugly weather, but I'm doing good. Uh, and I told you in the break, or before we started today, a quick shout out before we get the show started today. Happy early birthday. Tomorrow is his birthday to my dad, the voice of the Helena Huskies, Keith Marks. Uh, texted me this morning. Hopefully he's on the airways right now. He probably has some meetings today, but I want to give him a quick birthday shout out. So happy birthday, dad. Um, hopefully he heard that, but I'm doing good. Well, happy birthday to Mr. Marks and Keith as I'm sure... He's, he's looking forward to another year yes. to add on to the landscape. But as we mentioned, gloomy day. There's a tornado watch. So keep your eye on the weather if you're in the Auburn area. But the storm that was really, really rough was Tuesday night inside the jungle. Yes. Auburn took down Alabama in, I would say, con- convincing fashion. And it was something that you really look back at. And there was that stretch in the middle of the game where Auburn or Alabama kept it close. Got within two after being down by 14 at halftime, and then Auburn went on a crazy run. I scored as many points as five-star recruit J.D. Davison did. Gardner Sabera and Preston Cook scored five more points combined than J.D. Davison did himself. He scored zero points. Um, But to your point, Auburn showing their strength against rival Alabama, a team that has been a giant slayer this year, beating top ten teams like Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston, all teams that were in the Final Four last year. Um and Auburn going into Tuscaloosa earlier this year, winning a close, hard-fought game, a ranked matchup um, with all that that game invoked and what prevailed from that game. We knew that Tuesday night's game would be a tough one inside Auburn Arena, but of course that is where the jungle is at, and it really showed. I think that was kind of the biggest um, thing-wise with the environment was there was just the jungle in an absolute berserk mode. With it was Rival a frenzy. Town. Yeah. It was, it was in a frenzy, and... And I really think it was louder than Kentucky, and I think what you I don't cr- know, dude. Yeah, not, not it wasn't louder than the Devin Cambridge dunk against, but Kentucky. consistently louder. Oh yeah, there were like multiple moments in that game where I was, yeah, this is yeah, this is yeah, louder. for sure, yeah. And I think I can credit that to everyone getting a full rights rest <laughs> yes. before the game. Oh my so, gosh, yeah, that it was crazy loud in there. It was a lot of fun, and and you look at the look at the box score a little bit, and everyone got in on the action. Wendell Green, the leading scorer, at twenty three points. Then you had Jabari Smith with 17, uh, Walker Kessler with 14 points, 12 rebounds, 8 blocks, 4 steals, doing his thing all over the stat sheet. And then obviously Katie Johnson, Alan Flanagan. Alan Flanagan had a better game than he's had recently, and that Mm -hmm. was impressive to see. Yeah, and you mentioned, I think that's the three biggest points of this game, was A, Walker Kessler fouls out in Tuscaloosa where Dylan Cardwell has to come in and play some big-time minutes. So Walker at home playing beneath himself, Like you said, 14 and 12 also adds eight blocks to the mix. I mean, nearly had a triple-double again. Um, So having him in the game definitely helped Auburn. Two, Wendell Green Jr. doing what he does. We saw him really have a coming-out game. Not really coming out, but probably his strongest game of the season against Alabama. 
up until Tuesday night, having another strong game with 23-8-6. and six. And then Alan Flanagan, the clutch hero of the Alabama game, hitting those four clutch free throws at the end, um, has not been as consistent after that Achilles injury, has had some ups and downs, had a very consistent game with 10 points, two rebounds, two assists, and a steal. So um, just really a, a consistent and steady overall effort from Auburn uh, as a whole, your starters did what they normally do. Having those points coming in off the bench with Wendell, with Dylan, with Jalen Williams, um, it, it's without a doubt the best Auburn basketball team we've ever seen. And I think this is probably one of the better best performances of the season so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I don't think Auburn's played their best game. No, yet. I don't either, and this is as close as Auburn's gotten. I would say so for It sure. was pretty close. For I, sure. I mean, they did a great job of drawing fouls. I don't think anyone had a bad game. I mean, looking at the box score, nobody did. Except Jasper only scored two points, but His we know, defense is still... We know that's the reason he's not out there. Yeah. That, like, we know that's not the reason he's out there. He's out there to be... Disruptive and play good deep. And as John Rothstein alluded to earlier, he's a designated driver. Yeah. He's averaging a turnover every 30 minutes. He doesn't even play 30 minutes a game. He plays about 15 to 20 in a game, and... So that means he, it's like every two games he gets a turn, he uh, commits a turnover. That's insane. And something else I want to talk about are those eight blocks from Walker Kessler. I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, Tuesday night felt like every block was even more impressive than usual. You saw the play with Keon Ellis. Yeah. Where I mean, I mean, he stays with them, doesn't bite on any pump fake, and then finally on a fadeaway, simple jump and swipe. Swats it. Yeah. That was so impressive to me. Was how how different. Kessler looked blocking shots. I mean, he just looked so comfortable. He and, did. And he, he he committed four fouls. But that's what you're supposed to do. Use those fouls and use them well. And Walker Kessler did that. And even behind him, like I said earlier, when he did foul out in Tuscaloosa, Dylan Cardwell got um, those much-needed SEC minutes, played some big-time uh, minutes earlier in the year. And he came in when Walker was on the bench. He only had four points, but he had three rebounds. He had a block. He was... He was a good stability inside and a good centerpiece um, to Auburn's defense when he was in. Because isn't he still like third in the league in blocks? And if, it's not if even, he qualified, yeah. yeah, he hasn't played enough this year. But but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Point being, yeah, I mean Auburn's front court was really the difference in this game. And when you go back to the box score, you see, oh well, you know, Jaden Shackelford had 26 points. He shot five of 11 from three, which is really good. Javon Quinterly, who was really slow early. Has a strong second half. He also has 20 points with four rebounds and assists. But then outside of that, your next leading scorer is Noah Gurley with only 11, and then Keon Ellis with nine. So, I mean, Auburn's front court was the true difference in the yeah. game. If you had told me that Quinterly and Shackleford combined for 46 points before the game, I wouldn't have thought Auburn was going to lose. But I would have thought It'd be close. within a five-point game. Yeah. And Auburn blows them out because, like you said, the front court. And I... I really just think it's so impressive how every game is different. That's what gives me uh, it's it gives me positive hope for the tournament is that it doesn't matter what kind of team Auburn's going to play, they'll be ready. They'll have different game plans. Someone might play bad, but someone else will step up. Dating back to that Alabama game in Tuscaloosa where Dylan Carwell played his tail off, when Javari Smith went two for fifteen from the field against Missouri, other guys stepped up. Katie Johnson just took over at the end of that game. Uh, I mean, it just over and over, it repeats itself where when someone doesn't play well, someone else steps up when they need to. The most impressive thing is when when you put yourself in your shoes from maybe non-con to win, okay, Auburn plays LSU, plays them pretty well at home, 
Okay, that's the best Auburn's played this year. Auburn plays at Alabama. Okay, no, that's the best Auburn's played this year. Auburn plays Kentucky at home. Well, maybe that's the best. And then with Tuesday night, to allude to your point, it's just Auburn continuing to get better, to beat really good teams, and for different guys on the team to flourish and get better. If you go back to the beginning of the year, you may remember, A, we've talked about it on the show, Jabari Smith having not gotten used to the collegiate level. KD Johnson not knocking that rust off. Walker Kessler taking a few games to get into a groove. And now it's like every other night, it's one of those few guys who's really taking over the game and becoming the strong point for Auburn to win. Um, so, so I do agree to that point. I think come tournament time, Auburn can still lose to anybody. Auburn will lose another game this year. But it gives Auburn fans and the Auburn coaching staff great comfort going in to Tampa. Yeah, and I think the SEC tournament is really important because of you go in, you're going to be playing Friday through Sunday, and you don't, you really don't want to lose that tournament. But I think I think you're more focused on the NCAA tournament at this point. If you go, if you lose on Championship Sunday to a Kentucky, so be it. Of course, it's going to be very, very. Woo, the Twitter will be fun after that. But other than that, you look at it and it's like, yeah, the NCAA tournament is really the focal point because this team has the potential to win a national championship. And I think that when a team continues to have another best game, you will continue to see that, is that that's the potential, is constantly improving upon each game. And in an NCAA tournament, you don't necessarily have to do that, but you just got to survive in advance. And I feel like that Missouri game was a survive in advance. Yeah. I thought the Alabama game. Even Bruce game, said that. Yeah, I thought the Alabama game was going to be a survive in advance type of game, but then Auburn won by 19. Yeah, and and in reality, Auburn should have won by 22, a late three. Um, so that's a little deceiving deceiving score. Um, but I do like to think about it in the sense of regular season more so of an improvement season. Um, but Bruce did say against Missouri, you know, it's all about surviving and advancing. We did that. And come March, SEC Tournament and March Madness, that is truly what it's all going to be about. Well, it's kind of funny because you talk about surviving and advancing when it doesn't really matter at this point. Yeah. Auburn can lose a game and still be a one seed. I mean, and I know what the t- uh, the statistics and the projections say right now is, I think Auburn's on track to lose two SEC games. In the, like, cause we're already halfway done with the SEC yeah. slate. So... Maybe Texas, not Texas A&M, maybe Arkansas and at Tennessee. Auburn might not lose another game in Auburn Arena. Maybe A&M. I didn't think they would lose A&M two years ago. A&M's the best competition left coming to Auburn Arena because other than that, South Carolina and Vandy. South Carolina and Ole Miss. Auburn is shit. Maybe Ole Miss, but yeah. Um, Now, with that being said, you're going to get everyone's best shot, so you can't really just knock those up as wins because they're going to be motivated. Uh, When you play the number number one team in the country, you're – you're hyped up, and chances are at least one or two of those teams are going to play up to the competition. For sure. And, and you know, that was kind of Auburn's biggest fear going into Tuesday night was that was an Alabama team who had played up to competition, like I said earlier, with Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston, and an Alabama team that had played down to competition, losses to Missouri, Georgia, other teams. Um, so it's it's really the challenge for Auburn without within the rest of SEC play, and we won't get too far ahead of ourselves with this upcoming Saturday – a team that beat Alabama and Georgia, um, is just taking it one game at a time, which I don't think is going to be a problem. I, we have truly seen Auburn in non-con and within the first half of SEC play take every game one game at a time. Well, a crazy stat that you brought up pre-show was how Auburn doesn't have anyone that is uh, with 20 minutes 
that's, that ranks at the top 20 of, of minutes per game. But points per game, three guys in the top 20. Yeah, so meaning Auburn wow. doesn't have any of the top 20 players in the SEC who play the most minutes. But Auburn has three of the top 20 players with most points in the league. That means when Auburn is on the floor, they are scoring. And I mean, that also goes back to guys coming off the bench and scoring like Wendell and like Jalen and Dylan. Yeah. So. And the thing is, is it's funny because when I said that, I, I couldn't figure, I forgot exactly who the three guys were. And I thought Walker was, but Katie Johnson is the second leading scorer for Auburn behind mm-hmm. Jabari Smith. Wendell Green Jr. is third. I think by like point three. Yeah. yeah. And, and Walter Kessler, over the last six games, has been average, by average Auburn's leading scorer. Yeah. Just continues. Yeah, because I think you, exactly what Justin Ferguson says. Also, Walker Kessler is just 0.7 points per game behind number 20 at 11.5, and he's second uh, 13 plus points in his last six games. Yeah. I mean, like we said, it's everybody's improving since we've seen them for the first few games of this year. And it seems to be every other night or every few games, it's somebody stepping up. KD went through a stretch of dominating. Wendell went through a few stretches of a game uh, where he was scoring 16 or 17 plus. And now we're seeing Walker Kessler these last few games, really since he fouled out against Alabama, um, even the end of the Missouri game of him dominating in the paint. I mean, it, it's crazy. And, 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 and a funnier, I think, <laughs> thing is a thread that Ferguson made where at the end it's the Southeastern Conference all Kimpom team. Number one is Oscar Sheboy. Number two is Tari Eason. And then three is Jabari Smith. Four is Walker Kessler. Five is Wendell Green. <laughs> Auburn, Auburn, Auburn. Yeah, that, 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 that seems I think all, Is Auburn still six in that right now? Yeah, I believe so. Maybe moved up to five. I can double check that, and we'll and I'll give it to you all on the other side of the break. But, I mean, it's really just – that doesn't really matter no, right now. Yeah. Now, with that being said, when Auburn loses a game or two, that's when it becomes a little more critical because you want to make sure you get that one seed locked up. I mean, it's hard to see Auburn going on some kind of downward spiral that could lead to that. So, I mean, losing one or two games, no need to panic. On the other side of the break, we're going to look ahead in the SEC basketball landscape as well as Auburn versus Georgia on Saturday. Stay tuned to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find The Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming to our website live at weaglefm.com, we appreciate the listen. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman back from our PSA break 416 here in God's time zone on the loveliest village on the plains. Going to get into some Auburn-Georgia preview for this Saturday's matchup in Athens at Stegman, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about SEC standings right now, the race for the regular season title with the top tier of the SEC, um, before we round out and head into an NFL discussion for today. So let's go ahead and preview Auburn versus Georgia. This Saturday, Auburn traveling to Georgia, 12 p.m. Central Time, tip-off on SEC Network. Auburn with a 95% chance to win. Um, Auburn taking the earlier... Um, season matchup against the Bulldogs in Auburn Arena, 83-60. to Again, a Georgia team that beat Alabama at home this year for their lone SEC win. Looking back to that Auburn-Georgia game from just a few weeks ago, uh, I, it was only two weeks ago they played. Um, it was the week of the Auburn-Kentucky game as well. Um, the big highlights from that game, Walker Kessel with 15-6. and six. 
Um, Jabari Smith in that game with 12 points and seven rebounds. And off the bench, Jalen Williams with a quiet 13, and Wendell Green Jr. with 12 and 11 assists for a double-double. Um, I, I really think the biggest thing going into this game for Auburn, um, A, they know that they know that Georgia's beaten Alabama this year and what Alabama's capable of. But I think the biggest thing for them is what we talked about in the last segment was um, just doing what you can do, controlling what you can control, and trying to play better um, while playing a rivalry game in what could be a hostile environment. But there should be a lot of Auburn fans there as it's sold out. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be about 50-50. It should if be. not more. Yeah. Because you look at pricing for other Georgia games, and it's pennies, and then – Saturday, it's triple digits. So I know, I know of another venue that's like that, right? Yeah, now. right, right, right. We, we won't, we won't name any names, but that that venue might be updated soon. Uh, to continue the Auburn Georgia preview, I think that really it is about continuing to different things because this isn't the best competition. Mm-hmm. We saw it two not weeks by ago. a long shot. We saw it a few weeks ago. This is the worst team in the SEC. But you also don't want to go in there dragging your feet because if you do that, you saw what happened to Alabama a week ago. You go out there, you get embarrassed and lose to the worst team in the SEC. Well, I think it's like what you just said, Jacob, was now you're going to get everybody's best shot. Mm-hmm. We saw that against Missouri. I mean, but that's a well-coached Missouri team. On the road. On the road. But it's it's really just going to be self-improvement and taking it one game at a time. Um, I think where the biggest mismatch in this game is going to be Auburn's front court against Georgia's. Um, Georgia's front court cannot – stand to the height and the athleticism of Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Um, I think that's where the biggest impact is going to be made for Auburn. I think if they can get Jabari and Walker working early, it could open up some kickouts for guards. Um, And this is a place where Auburn won last year during a COVID year. Um, So obviously I think Auburn's going to do it. Mm -hmm. I think Auburn's going to win pretty easily. I don't know what the spread is on this game. I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, it's not out yet. That'll probably be tomorrow night. But as you but said, I'd take the spread. I'd take the, the spread. Yeah, whatever it is, it's probably the right choice. And you talk about the size and the mismatch there. Auburn out rebounded Georgia forty-one to thirty-one at home and got sixteen offensive rebounds to Georgia just grabbing eight. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be one of those games that even when Auburn's missing, if Auburn's missing sh- shots, they'll probably get putbacks and they'll have a chance to do that several times. And this Georgia team's not very deep at all. Mm-mm. Auburn might will probably play. Everybody on yeah. Saturday. Preston might score again. Yeah, Pre- Preston didn't didn't score against Georgia, but he did put up a layup against Alabama, Alabama on Tuesday. And hey, maybe Carter Sabera can give us a hundred points again, triple digits against Georgia for another sweep. Yeah, because that's a big thing, also as well. Like this means a lot to these guys. This is the Auburn's recruiting out of this team's backyard. There are there are four more chances for Auburn to grab a sweep this season. Saturday against Georgia. Then you got Florida, Ole Miss, and South Carolina on Senior Day. Yeah. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is a lot of these guys, we see this in every sport, especially football and basketball. A lot of the guys that go and play in their home state are playing against a team in their home state. They take it a little more personal. And it's also a little more personal when you used to play on that team, a.k.a. KD Johnson. KD hit a sequence of three straight three-pointers against Auburn and Auburn Arena. We were watching it earlier before today's show. Um, So I think it might be big for him as well not to get too out of his head, our little Tasmanian devil, and just play the way he knows how to play. Right. With passion, with unrivaled energy. Um, and there's not really much more to say. Auburn should be able to take care of business. It's just one game at a time for me. Yeah, and I think I think that's the right way to put it because, you know, after Georgia, you're going to Arkansas, one of the hottest teams in the league other than Auburn. Seven-game winning streak. Yeah. And the next closest winning streak 
uh, is like three games. And that's a place where Auburn has struggled, I mean, within the last decade, is in Bud Walton Arena. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I'll, yeah, a little bit. But recently, I feel like Auburn's performed well there. You know, last year you lost yeah. on that layup that Sharif Cooper was fouled on. And then two years ago, you went in overtime with Javon McCormick wearing the number 55 practice yeah. jersey uh, or replacement jersey. What a fever dream. Yeah, that is. I, that was another game. I didn't get to watch the first half of that game. It's kind of like the Missouri game the other day. I didn't get to watch the first half. I saw the second half. And, whew, yeah, fever dream indeed. Because I was in the midst of the three straight overtime games Auburn played. I think it was the end of it. Yes. It was. So, yeah. But, but I, not a, not an easy place to travel to. No, and they're going to be fired up like crazy, especially, especially if you know Eric Musselman. One, if they're riding an eight-game winning streak. Two, Eric Musselman. Three, the number one team in the country visiting them. This might be the toughest – Not, I won't say the toughest – It'll be one of the more tougher road games Auburn plays this year. What's the other one? At Tuscaloosa. I mean, Tuscaloosa was yeah. a pretty rowdy environment. I think, well, while I look at the difference is, yeah, Witness is there for Auburn. True. You're not going to have, have very many, many in Arkansas. That's true. I'll I think it'll be one. some, but I think it, in Tuscaloosa, that was the players knew. I mean, it was 70-30, maybe even 65-35. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely up there. Yeah. This will be a tough game for Auburn. This might be the toughest game left on Auburn's regular season schedule. Um, but we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, got to take care of business Saturday. Yeah, and and that and that's the thing is continuing to do that. You stay up there in the rankings and just build up the resume more and more. You don't want any quad four losses or anything like that. Any quad three losses, and making sure you're undefeated in that area is just a huge thing for your resume to make sure you get the one seed. Well, speaking of one seed, let's take a look at the 2022 SEC men's basketball standings as they stand today. Um, again, if you look to the very far right column, what a beautiful column it is. <laughs> yeah. Win streak 18 of Auburn. But I digress. Auburn at the one seed right now, 9-0 in conference play, 21-1 overall. 18-game winning streak, no big deal. Kentucky right behind Auburn with a 7-2 conference record. Um, two games behind Auburn with their only losses being against Auburn and uh, – what was the other one? Um, was it – LSU team. It was LSU. Um, I believe they lost LSU. In yeah, LSU. they lost at LSU 65 to 60. So, yeah. Um, but after them, at three is Arkansas, four is Tennessee, five is Mississippi State. So, three through five, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi State, three teams that Auburn has to go and play on the road at to finish out the back half of SEC schedule. Not ideal. The, see, that's the thing is the home, the home slate is pretty easy for Auburn. The road slate is where things get a little difficult and, you know, you look at, like, the Florida game, think Florida's not that good, but... that I mean, at Florida, they that's, played the place, Auburn, that's the place Auburn struggles at. And they played Auburn very close at Auburn Arena. I mean, Man. Walker Kessler fouled out. Uh, Colin Castleton had a monster game. So, I'd argue Auburn has the toughest SEC slate to finish on the road. On the road? Yeah. On the road. I, I think mean, so as well. I don't think any other team in the conference has a tougher road slate to finish out the back half of SEC play, but... Um, other teams that are potentially on the tournament bubble, we know LSU and A&M should get in. Alabama should get in. I think they're projected as a six seed somehow right now. I, and they had beat Auburn, they would have been it's a four tr- seed. And it, well, it's truly because of their, I mean, their few big wins. Win, yeah, I mean, the the quad the quad four and quad three losses really really hurt. Things. Yeah, so I guess the wins are counteracting that. But um, and then you have Florida, and then you also have South Carolina, who is also capable of possibly being on the bubble. Um, after that, it's kind of a lost cause with 11 through 14. But um, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, but um, I guess I guess my question for you, Jacob, is is 
what is really the most ideal situation besides just winning the rest of your games for Auburn, including teams like Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, and State that are right on your tail to win that regular season championship? I do think it could start this weekend if Alabama knocks off Kentucky. You do that, and I mean, how does Auburn, three how does Auburn lose it? Exactly. How does Auburn lose it? I don't see Auburn losing more than two more games the rest of the way. So I really do think that if Auburn fans should be big Alabama fans on Saturday when the Crimson Tide and Wildcats face off. And now, of course, that happens, and you lose a top-five win. Who cares? Auburn's going to continue to win, and that's the most important thing. So I think that you really want to make sure Kentucky grabs one more loss. That happens, and you're clear sailing. I think the best thing for Auburn right now with the rest of their schedule, and I don't want to sound like a a hit-and-run kind of guy, they don't have to go to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're done playing Kentucky for the regular season, which, again, doesn't sound like you're scared and running, but we saw what they did at full strength at Fog Field House. That was crazy. I mean, if Ty Ty Washington doesn't go down, I'm not going to say it live on air, but I think we know what I'm getting to. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that game is much tighter than, than it already was. Yeah. But um, my point being, that's one positive. Auburn is done with them, other good teams like LSU and Bama. But Auburn still has a few really good teams they got to play on the road. So um, it's going to be tough to get that that regular season title. Yeah. And I, you look at Arkansas, and it's a scary, it's, that's the scariest bunch to me. I mean, Kentucky's scary because they're a Final Four caliber team. But Arkansas, just because how hot they are, and they beat Auburn, that's, a, that's two games. Yeah. That's two games they get on us. So I, I mean, are, the biggest thing is the rest of these teams, when you look at it, Jacob, they're all pretty scary for different reasons. Right. Arkansas, they're they're the second hottest team in the league right now. Tennessee, an up and down Tennessee team that's capable of really good things under Rick Barnes, especially at home. Well, yeah, a lot of experienced guys like Fulkerson, yes. Santiago Vescovi. Uh, and, and we've seen what they've done with LSU and Katie how they played Chandler. Florida. Yeah. So good. And then you look at Mississippi State, a team that beat Bama at home, a, a very underrated, solid team in the league this year that's probably going to make the tournament. Nobody talks about them. No. So. They have a huge chip on their shoulder. My point being, there's a lot of really good teams left for Auburn to play, and they have to play on the road. Um, now, having said that, I'm going to knock on wood. I think Auburn still wins the regular season title. Yeah. It, I mean, it's going to take a, some pieces to move if they don't. That was my thought process was how, you know, Auburn could lose two games and still win the win the conference because everyone else is probably going to lose at some point. And I, I, I really think that Auburn's just in the best position they possibly could be. Uh, LSU obviously isn't a factor in that case because you know you think I, I remember when LSU beat Kentucky I thought okay they're they're LSU is going to contend with us and no they're not four and five in conference that's not going to get it done um, I look at Texas A and M I think a few weeks ago I said look out for them they lost five games in a row since then so I it's night in and night out like Bruce Pearl has said before this feels like the twenty nineteen to twenty season where. Or it was just a weird season where LSU won the regular season championship. Auburn was right there. And I don't know, Auburn wasn't there until the very end. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. We both still have Auburn winning it all, knock on wood. But that'll do it. For the rest of the Auburn basketball and SEC basketball discussion today, on the other side of the break, we are going to recap the AFC and NFC championships. 
The Bengals and Rams are heading to the Super Bowl. Don't miss our breakdown of that on the other side of the break. WEGL 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as Conference Championship Weekend has locked up. It is the Bengals and the Rams in the Super Bowl. And I think this is probably the ideal matchup everyone could have asked for. But we also have a caller. Formerly Daniel of Helena from, he's actually Daniel from Auburn now. And a part of Weagle 91.1 FM, host of the Eagles Nest, Daniel Locke. How are you doing today? How's it going? It's going doing well, back, Daniel. Doing what I would always do back in the good old days. It's good. It feels good. Well, we're glad to have you on with us today as we talk about Conference Championship weekend wrapping up. But I think I want to start off with talking about the Bengals because that's what the talk of the NFL world is. And Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and that whole crew. And were, 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 you, were you pulling for the Bengals to, to knock off the Chiefs this past weekend? Have we lost Daniel? I think we might have lost Daniel from Auburn. So if not, then we'll see. Daniel, can you hear us? We're just going to drop Daniel. Yeah, we're, we're, we, we lost Daniel from Helena. But make sure you turn tune into the Eagles Nest on Thursdays at 10 a.m. So to hear Daniel Locke and uh, Griggs on their takes. I'll be there next Thursday. Okay. Yeah, I got a special invite. Oh, okay. I don't know if you received Wow, I don't I haven't if, received that. Well, you might be. No, you don't have class. Maybe yeah. he just doesn't like it. Wow, that, that, that's, that's <laughs> painful. But as we look at, we'll start with the Bengals, like I said. Yeah. Overtime victory over the Chiefs. I, everyone Going into oh that, gosh. that was, Josh Allen had the tweet of the day. <laughs> he did. Pain. That, it had like 60-something thousand likes on Twitter in two minutes. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, I think when everybody knew it was going into overtime, then when the Bengals picked, I think they picked heads. I think everybody's been picking heads, and it's just always tails. Tails never fails. But that doesn't really as soon as someone calls tails, watch when it Super Bowl it goes to heads. It's gonna be it's gonna be heads. Yeah. I just know it. But yeah, another reason why we should change the overtime rules. I I agree. I um, agree. And I think what I hate is that the Bengals had to win it that way because now this is a less likely chance of changing the overtime rules. I still think they will change them. Um because it just doesn't make any sense. I know everyone's saying, well, defense is a part of the game. Well, we want to see both defenses. Yeah. So I really think that – I don't know exactly how you change it to them. I would like to go – I would. I wish there was a universal overtime rule, which it should be the old college overtime rules. I mean, how often do you get the Texas A&M LSU game? Very rarely. And when you do, it's actually really fun. Yeah. I, 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 I don't understand why college moved away from that, and I don't understand why the NFL – refuses to change its rules. I mean, after the Indiana-Penn State and Auburn-Alabama games in college football this year, and now what we've seen the past several years, which we already knew this from the NFL, it just needs to go back to the old college rules and implement it within both the league and um, college football. But I mean, I also, and what I'll say also is, I think another way you could do it is you stick with the current NFL overtime rules, and you know how... If you score a field goal in the first possession, the next team gets a chance. Yeah. Okay. If they score a touchdown, the next team gets a chance. Yeah. I mean, if they like, don't just like be, let it be done. 
Right. Like, let them let them have a chance. Right, because I also think that what you can also say is after that it's sudden death. Yeah. And of course that leads to the chance. Well, the team that got it first still gets an advantage. Well, at least the second team has a chance to go down and score and go for two if they need to. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I think that it has led to some fun, memorable moments this year, but it just doesn't feel like it's given us exactly what should have happened, or it doesn't really give us uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It, it doesn't really give us uh, closure. Yeah, I wish the Bills had a chance to score against the Chiefs. I mean, they that game could have gone forever. Yeah, I mean, with me, the biggest thing was in this game. Watching Cincy be down twenty-one to three, fight right. all the way back, and then for for if they would have lost, go, like go into overtime and lose with being down twenty-one to three and showing that fight, that's horrible. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that truly like if the rule didn't change in the offseason, like something is there would I bet there would have been an announcement the next day that we're looking at oh, <laughs> yeah. new rules for well, the yeah. overtime. Yeah, right now they don't have to make that kind of announcement, but I still think that there's a chance it changes. Um, but just. Being down by that much, yeah. the way you like, not even just the defense, the offense in the second half, the fight, the way that they disrupted probably the future goat. I mean, that's ridiculous. They they deserve a chance to win that game in overtime, and 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 they did. Uh, McPherson again pulling through. I believe it was it was after the AFC Championship against or not the AFC Championship, the divisional round uh, when they were playing the number one seed Titans uh, before he ran out on the field. He looked at Joe Burrow and said, "Well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game," yeah, and went out there awesome. and nailed it like. That's so cool. He's got ice in his veins. Well, I think that whole team has swagger, and we'll, we'll, we're going to dive into the game now. It's just Joe Burrow, Joe Cool. Coming back Joe for 23, as he said, Burr. And, I mean, you look around, T. Higgins, 100 receiving yards. He had a drop early on, and I thought, oh, man, this, this, this might be a rough game for the Bengals because I think everyone kind of thought the game's over. No way Patrick Mahomes blows a 21-3 lead. Yet he did. And it's not to his discredit. The offense was dysfunctional in the second half, but – I do give credit to the Cincinnati defense and the offense for just kind of controlling the pace. They really that's a good way to put it. Yeah. They they did they didn't let the game get out of what they wanted to right. do. Right. Yeah. And I think that really it's just an overall good performance. It's not like Joe Burrow put up 400 passing yards, 250, two touchdowns, one pick. Yeah. Only QBR of 54.9. Yeah. That's all it took. And I really think that the running game was just good, good enough. Joe Mixon, 21 carries, 88 yards, no touchdowns on the ground. But I really think that it's just they stuck to their game plan, and it worked. They, it did. And I, it's safe to say that they're America's team. I don't think they're – I mean, there's a few people that will be pulling for the Rams, obviously. But, I mean – Like Georgia fans. Yeah. Georgia fans will be pulling for the Rams. Yeah, they will. Uh, but majority of football fans or people that are following football this year will probably be pulling for the Bengals just because of where they came from. I mean, the Rams have been to a Super Bowl within the last few years. Since he hasn't been to the Super Bowl since, what, the 80s? Is that like the one time they went? 88, maybe? They, they, they've won two. They are 2-0, and now 3-0 and in AFC championships. And the previous two, I think they got blown out by the 49ers. Yeah, so – Point being, it, I mean, it's been a long time, um, and it just adds to the the playoffs we've had this year. I mean, we'll get into the NFC here in a second, but I mean, just the games that we've had, it's just been awesome. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's what makes the NFL so great is that the regular season is still fun, and it's because you know when I think about the NBA, I think okay, regular season, no one really cares. Eighty two like, games. Listen, like the Nuggets Jazz game last night that. Jokic didn't play, Gobert didn't play, Donovan Mitchell didn't play. Like everyone was out, and 
I watched it. It was an entertaining game, but it just didn't feel like there was any kind of nothing was at stake. Right, because the best players weren't playing. It was, was like, cool. It was cool to see different guys. Yeah, but I want to see the best players play. Yeah, and that's what you get in the NFL. And then you get into the, the playoffs and what excitement we've had. And I don't. I honestly, these playoffs are better than any NBA playoffs I've seen. But usually, I'm saying, man, I like the NBA playoffs better well, than the NFL playoffs. I was about to say last year's playoffs are. They were pretty good in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. That's my point is, of course, it's a year-to-year thing, but I still think overall NBA playoffs are better than the NFL playoffs. But because the NFL regular season matters infinitely more than the NBA regular season, I mean, this is a crazy conversation. We just rabbit hole. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but I, I, I just want to make this point is that the NFL product is just so much better right now. And I would agree. The future is set up well. We haven't even talked about Tom Brady retiring, but – yeah. Patrick really? Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, young guys that have potential. Three, I say three of those guys are locks to be Hall of Famers. Pro, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to go that far. But they're going to be all pro guys for a long time, for at least yeah. a decade. Yeah. The other guys that I mentioned, I think you can guess. Can you guess what three guys I'm referring to? I won't even try. Who are you referring to? Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. Yeah. I think those guys are all pro guys for at least a decade. Yeah, I mean – Herbert Jackson Murray, Dak Prescott, I didn't even leave him off. I, I left him off the list. Those guys are great quarterbacks, but I just don't know the longevity or the consistency they have. Yeah. I think Dak's the best one out of those four. Herbert has the highest ceiling. And then obviously Jackson, there's all the criticisms of him that I think he can overcome, but right now he's not in he's not in the best spot to have an argument. <laughs> and then I think that uh Kyler Murray. I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to win with the Cardinals. So, I look at those top three guys, and I say, they've got the NFL in a good spot. Well. Trying to dig dig out of this rabbit hole. Yeah. Moving on to the NFC Championship. The Rams beat the 49ers for the first time this year out of three matchups. I think it's the first time in a long time they've beaten them. I think it was a six-game winning streak for the 49ers. Yeah. And I I, I give all the credit in the world to Matthew Stafford. And, I, I you know, we don't like Georgia very much here on the Plains. We don't like the dogs. But, I mean, I don't know what it is. I have a soft spot in my heart for Matthew Stafford. I, I, I would agree. He's not He's not a dog. He's I a, think part of it is just how good of a player he is. And well, him, he's a good person. And dude. him committing, yeah. And just being in, being with the Lions for so long and playing well with them. I mean. I don't think anybody, I don't even think Detroit blamed him for leaving. It's no. like, dude, like. Yeah. Well, it was a trade. But, yeah, like, well, yeah. point being is he wanted to be traded. Of course he did. He doesn't want to be. A, he he gave, wants to win a championship. He gave everything to, to Detroit. That's the least they could do was let right. him have that chance. Right. And he's getting the chance in the L.A. home stadium. But 337 yards for two touchdowns uh, against 49ers defense. That's pretty good. And a basic, basically a home game for San Francisco. I mean, yeah, not even just this game, but I believe it was, was a week 18 they played to end the regular season. That was also like a San Francisco home game. I mean, it was 70-30 San Fran to – LA, but um, I mean, he deserves that chance. I mean, to play in his home stadium for Super Bowl Fifty Six. Now, I'll I'm gonna give a spoiler. I'm not, I'm not rooting against the Rams, but I, I kind of want to see Joe Burrow and the Bengals win. I mean, come on, you can't root. Who against, doesn't? Who doesn't? You can't root against either team. I'll just say that. I don't. I don't. I don't think I for would different say reasons. Ninety percent of people what, that are ninety percent of the neutrals are probably pulling for. The Cincinnati Bengals, just because they've been bad. I mean, the Rams were bad. Years ago. Joe Burrow's cool. Uh, the yeah, the Rams were in the yeah, Super Bowl a few I mean, years ago, and they it was the worst Super Bowl we've seen in a long time. It was bad. Um, but I mean, but 
I, I would not be shocked seeing the Rams. I, I'm not going to lie. The Rams probably will win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. The Rams um, are a four-point favorite for a reason. Especially with the trades they made with Von Miller. With I think OBJ. that is the move. I think those two moves are the moves of the year. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. OBJ is a great receiver. Yeah. And he's shown that in the he's playoffs. He's a peacock. You just got to let him fly. Yeah, you're right. And the Cleveland Browns did not do that. They did not. Von Miller, despite being an older veteran, still has some gas left in the yes, tank. Yes, he does. Pair him with Aaron Donald and their defensive front. I mean, good Lord. That's that's tough to beat. I'm just glad that I finally got to say I will not. I like I'm not. I I hate picking against Jimmy Garoppolo, and I was finally right in doing so and not picking him because I thought I, I thought because I said it the first two, the wild card and divisional rounds. I said it did not work out well for me, but here we are, Rams and Bengals. I think it's going to be a dandy. We'll preview it more next week on the scoreboard. But now we got one more segment NBA. On the other side of the break for the final segment of the scoreboard. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Last segment of the hour for Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. Here on WEGL 91.1 FM, if you want to call in and be a part of the last segment, feel free at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. That spells out Weagle. We are live in the Harold Melton Student Center at Auburn University on a gloomy day. We're going to round out the show with a little bit of NBA discussion. Haven't talked NBA in a few weeks. Uh, All-star starters were announced. We will be probably talking about that today um, to finish out the show. Looking at the all-star starters, that's a mouthful. All-star starters. I mean, it's just, you say the same word almost. All-star starter. Well, I speak fast, so a lot of stuff's hard it does, to yeah, say. Yeah, it does get tangled up. 2022 NBA All-Star Eastern Conference starters. Captain Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets, followed by Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Bucks, Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76ers, Trey Young, the point guard for Jacobs Atlanta Hawks, and then DeMar DeRozan, who has been on a revenge tour for the red-hot Chicago Bulls. Looking over at the Western starters, LeBron James, of course, with his 18th consecutive All-Star game uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers. He will be the captain, followed by Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets, Andrew Wiggins from the Golden State Warriors, also Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors, and then John Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I told Jacob this in the in the break, and if anybody listening wants to fact-check me, feel free. I believe John Morant is leading the entire league, not just the conference. I think he's leading the NBA in points per game in the paint. I think it's over 12 points per game in the paint. The way he plays, it wouldn't shock me. He's only 6'3". I mean, he he knows how to finish. He can finish strong. He can finish with... Uh, intensity. With intensity. He can be nifty, do whatever he wants. Put a little English on it, do whatever he wants. He's not scared. No, he's not. And we've seen that with the... Because I think he he's he's adding more of those missed dunk comp, like, highlights to his compilation. Yeah. Where he, it looks like he's about to put someone's career out uh, out of business, but who knows? I, I, I love I love me some John Morant this year. I think he is going to be a special player for a long time. And I mean, he's the reason that they're one of the top teams in the West. Are you still third in the West? Sounds right. Yeah, I think they're still third, if not fourth. Yeah, and I I, I really yeah they're third with uh, four games behind the Warriors, but four games ahead of the Jazz. So yeah. they're going to be third for a little bit. And I really think that. I like them finishing third. Yeah. I like them finishing third ahead of the Jazz, Mavericks, and Nuggets. Yeah. Unless the Lakers just go, I mean, they're 10 games ahead of the Lakers. So 
the Lakers have to win like 15 games in a row to really make that even close. One all-star starter that has been pointed out um, has been Andrew Wiggins from the Warriors starting for the West team. Uh, looking at his 2021-2022 statistics, Andrew Wiggins, um, he's averaging 18.3 points per game. He's averaging 4.3 rebounds per game. Um, so, I mean, questionable maybe, but yeah, I, I, I he's think definitely important to that team, I'd say. Is he more important than Draymond? I, I mean, yeah. You know how, I mean, I've said it before. It's just, I think that time's passed. Is he better than Rudy Gobert? Mm, nah. Rudy, well, but then it's Rudy Gobert or Jokic. Is it by position? It's it's front court guards. Yeah, so. You can put Rudy Gobert and Nikola Jokic in there. He's technically a front court, though. I mean, Andrew yeah, Wiggins is. is shooting and, forward. And, you know, I was more mad about it until I looked at the voting groups and things like that that they posted. And my first thought was, well, I'd rather have three guards with Luka in there. I think that's, that's an argument you can make. And now I don't think that you could technically – I think he has to be – is it three It's three front court players and two guards. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of tough. Luka can – he doubles as a front court yeah. guy because he grabs so many rebounds anyway. And he could be a, on the bench. I mean – I don't know. I just don't think that – I would have picked Draymond and Rudy Gobert over Wiggins. And I also would have said – Let's make an exception and let Luca be a starter, even if it. Yeah, that's all the All Star game's about is the fireworks. Who's yeah. gonna give you more fireworks, Luca yeah. or Andrew Wiggins? Uh, come on, yeah, Luca. So, I don't. I wouldn't have minded throwing him in there over him, but I mean, and and I'm not trying to discredit Wiggins or anything, but like All Star starter. Yeah, like maybe a reserve. Yeah, or, absolutely. No, he deserves to be on an All Star team, but starter with all these names <laughs> that are left off. Hmm, yeah, I don't know about that. One thing I really do like about this year's starters, um, and I said it just a minute ago, DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean. Getting the credit he deserves. Think about that guy from a young star at Toronto to moving to San Antonio, not really working out with Popovich and that crowd and that organization. Goes up to Chicago and just absolutely turns around one of the East's worst teams um, and, and is on an absolute tear. And he's going to start in the All-Star game. First place in the player rank, first place in the fan rank, first place in the media rank. I mean, that's how it should be. And look at his teammate, Zach Levine, right behind him. 2-3-3, three, three, three. Trey Young had 3-2-2, three, two, two, so that's how that worked out. And I, I think that's the way to go. I think Levine uh, could be an all-star starter if Trey Young just yeah. hasn't gone crazy over the yeah. last month. It's, I mean, if Trey wasn't completely carrying in a team exactly. right now. So, yeah, I agree. Um but I, I, I just like the fact that he's getting that credit um, because I know a lot of people know Chicago's played really well this year, but they haven't really thought about what that guy's been through and what he probably means to that organization now. And I really don't think a lot of people are talking about the East as much because you look at the top East teams versus the top West teams, everyone wants to talk about the Suns and the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Feels like no one wants to talk about the Bulls, Heat, or 76ers. Yeah, because, I mean, it's been like this past two, three years. It's Nets, Bucks, Nets, Bucks, 76ers. But yeah. next, I mean, and this year, who knows? The Nets are down to sixth place in the East. The Cavs are a game and a half ahead of them. I really like the Cavs to be a sleeper in the East. I mean, I don't know. I just think that the way that they've played now, and Isaac Okoro also will put this out there since we're talking about all stars. He got selected to the Rising Stars game. Yeah. So, Ice, congratulations. He needs to, he, I would like to see him perform there. 
because I feel like the way his game is, it's not suited for that. Now, with that being said, he can make it suited for that by improving the three-point shot and and really just being strong at the rim. And we know he's strong at the rim, whether it's physically or just moving in the lane. So I, I really am happy for Isaac because he came off the injury, and now he's playing well. Those are your all-star starters. Auburn plays against Georgia Saturday. Any quick thoughts, Jacob? Uh, about Auburn, Georgia, I will say that I hope that crowd's loud for Auburn. Happy retirement, Tom Brady. Happy early birthday to Keith Marks, my dad, if he is still listening. Uh, and join us next week here on the scoreboard, Weagle 91.1 FM. Tiger Talk is back tonight at Baumhauer's Live starting at 6 p.m. We will see you next week on Weagle 91.1 FM. This is Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.